Welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, it's nice to be with you. A little later in the show, we're going to have a discussion about media consolidation and predation, really. Uh, Gawker.com published its final post last week, a victim of a very aggressive attack by a very wealthy individual who didn't like something that Gawker did. Is this the way media should survive or not survive? Survival of the fittest, almost literally? Uh, What does this mean for the rest of the media landscape, not just in places like New York, but uh, all across the country? So you're going to want to stay tuned to that conversation. But first, right now, polling suggests Donald Trump is getting 2% of the black vote nationally. As of June, 0% of black voters said they plan to vote for Trump in the crucial swing states of Ohio and Pennsylvania. That was according to an NBC News Wall Street Journal Marist poll. Yet the last time he was in Michigan, Donald Trump said he was going to win 95% of black voters. His pitch to African Americans, what the hell do you have to lose? He says the Democratic Party has done little or nothing for black people for decades and that he will turn that around, that he will he will fix what ails black America. Is that any way to make an effective pitch? Uh, if you're an African-American, are you listening to Donald Trump and thinking, hey, he's onto something here? He is not wrong about the Democratic Party and uh, the the broken promises that have been made to African-Americans by Democrats over over several decades. And you're thinking about casting a vote for Donald Trump, figuring that you don't have much to lose. Or is this offensive to you? Does this feel like uh, a debasing of the discussions about the things that are troubling in black America? A very vivid reminder over the last week. Colin Kaepernick, uh, quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers, says, I can't even stand for the national anthem anymore at football games because of the way that America is treating black Americans, because of the history and, of course, the present uh, where uh, things don't seem equal. We want to ha- hear from you this morning. Uh, if you're African-American, of course, if you're if you're not African-American, you're free to join the conversation as well. 313-577-1019. What do you think about what Donald Trump is saying to black America? What do you think about his overture uh, that he plans to make this weekend in the city of Detroit, coming uh, to visit, going to to talk with some pastors? Uh, the church is, of course, a huge part uh, of the cultural fabric here in Detroit, also a huge part of the political fabric. Uh, Donald Trump will meet with some pastors and try to convince them uh, to support him. He'll also go and tour Uh, parts of Detroit with Ben Carson, uh, an African-American Detroiter uh, who does a lot of things in this city, a lot of good things in this city, but of course has views that are not consistent with most African-American voters. Is Donald Trump doing the right thing? Is he making the right pitch? Is he pursuing the right strategy to convince African-Americans Uh, to vote for him. And how does what he's saying about African-Americans and to African-Americans compared to the policy positions he has? Is he he putting together the kind of campaign and platform that African-Americans might 
uh, might find appealing, might find more appealing than what uh, they're hearing from Hillary Clinton or the Democrats. Again, 313-577-1019 is the number uh, to join the conversation. And joining me now uh, to talk about this is uh, Keith Owens. He's a senior editor at the Michigan Chronicle and Shane Goldmacher, a senior political reporter at Politico. Guys, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you. Good to be here, Steve. Yeah. Thank you. Uh-huh. Uh, Keith, I'm going to start with you. You've uh, written and talked quite a bit about the Donald Trump phenomenon this, this cycle. Uh, and and uh, I, I, I think you have been one of the, <clears throat> the most critical about this particular pitch, right, to African-American mm-hmm. voters. Tell me what you see as uh, incongruous uh, with, uh, between what Donald Trump is saying and what uh, African-American voters might be thinking. Well, I think in terms of, number, number one, I think he's, he's doing his, uh, right now, he's doing his famous thing of going to fear. For example, he's saying that, you know, immigrants are a threat to black jobs. They're taking your jobs. And, and you know, obviously, the, you know, the famous what do you have to lose pitch. Um, so I think that by itself is just kind of like saying, hey, what, you know, what else have you got? Come on over to my side. Um, I think also when you just look at at uh, Trump's history, without getting too extensive, of course his father was well known for discriminatory practices and doing everything he could to prevent you know bl- uh, black people from uh, coming up uh, from renting in his apartments. And and Donald, that was that was uh, his his father was pretty much his hero in following in those steps, and fo- you know following forward. So everything that he his, you know throughout his life, and of course there was the famous you know during the um, was it the Central Park rapers when he once again put out uh, uh, pretty much a uh, call to these, these guys, you know, he'll go against them with whatever you need to do. These guys are guilty, et cetera. And when, when they got off and he was saying this was disgusting, it's, you know, so he's done a number of things throughout his life before he even considered politics that pretty much said what he was all about. And uh, now suddenly, you know, he's, he wants to, you know, reach out and say that Democrats haven't done anything for you and I'm the guy for you um, is just... It's 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 ridiculous. I mean, there's nothing there's nothing that he's presented that I think. I mean, when he sure he says everything anybody would say, I can get you more jobs, I can do this, but there's no, and he, and this wasn't his appeal until recently. And if and and I also I also raised the point um, without taking too much segment, but I think that obviously when you have someone where the Nazis and the Klan step up and, and embrace you, I mean, and not that there, have, there haven't been other people that will appeal, but the problem is. That usually when they when they are supporting someone, they don't come forward because they're afraid it might you know say so this might get in our guy's way. But they're feeling so confident, so they like him so much. They're saying, "Hey, we're just coming out from under the woodwork. We're just going to say this is our guy." Yeah, and um, that that is pretty pretty remarkable, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Shane Goldmacher, you're going to be here this weekend covering Donald Trump's uh, visit to Detroit, but of course you've seen him uh, over time nationally making this pitch to African-American voters. When you look at the polls uh, and it says, okay, so 2% nationally, uh, he's got support in the African-American community, uh, 0% in places like Ohio and Pennsylvania. I think one of the real questions is is what the, the, the utility even is of trying to sort mm-hmm. of tilt against that kind of disadvantage. Uh, I mean, is this a strategy that, that, that makes any sense from a national perspective? I think it does, but you have to think of it differently. Although he's trying ostensibly to speak to African-American voters, very much this pitch is about white voters. Uh, yes. Donald Trump has run into a huge problem in recent weeks, which is a huge chunk of the electorate <laughs> thinks he's a racist. Yeah. Uh, Hillary Clinton gave a speech last week uh, 
you know, accusing him of, of being a racist. And Tim Kaine has tied him to the KKK in the last week in terms of values. Uh, and this is hurting him. For Donald Trump to, to win this race, he has to drive historically high white turnout, and he has to win the white vote by historic margins. Right. Uh, and he's run into problems among white women, among people who live in suburbs, among more moderate voters mm-hmm. who are seeing these things and seeing important people in in the African-American community, in the Latino community, in the Muslim community, mm-hmm. denounce him over and over and over again that he's making a, a concerted pitch uh, by speaking or ostensibly speaking to African-American voters. He's giving a big immigration speech tomorrow in Phoenix, uh, speaking to Latino voters. Uh, the, the goal of this is, yes, he would love to go from 0% or 2% to 7%, right? Uh, but the bigger numbers for him are to win back uh, white voters who feel that they can't vote for someone uh, who's being tagged as a racist. Yeah. The, you know, the, the whole dinner party conversation. If you tell, told your friends, I'm voting for Donald Trump, are they going to look at you funny? Uh, <laughs> this, is, this is something he needs to avoid among white households all across the country. And so going to Detroit, speaking at an event organized by a supportive pastor, uh, having Ben Carson, who's African-American and, and knows the community, take him through sort of a guided tour of potentially more friendly places. This is his way. He wants those images to be seen. Um, but the way I think about this pitch, it, yes, of course, it's, it's partly about African-American voters. But I do think, it, you know, electorally, a bigger chunk is about making sure white voters uh, feel comfortable voting for him. Yeah. Could I add something? Go, go ahead, Keith. Uh, real quick. I think uh, there's also, like, I agree exactly. I think also part of the strategy may be, I don't, he's, even if he says, I'm trying, I'm going to get 95%, he knows that's not true. But what he wants is trying to do is peel off, I think, enough you know, from Hillary to try and maybe substantiate, the, you know, to kind of uh, shorten the gap, whatever he's, you know, losing from the white vote, so maybe I can supplement some of that. And also to cast doubt, I think his, his when, he's, when he's saying that, look at what, you know, he points to Detroit and says, no, look at what, look at Detroit and look at what, what that's causing for black people. Look at the ghettos and, and it's all under Democratic administrations. Right. And among some group, that may, that will have some traction among some because they'll say, hey, you know, they've had, you know, black mayors and, and, and Democratic mayors for all this long time and look at the condition. Obviously, we know there's much more to it than that. But that's in a, in, a, in a perverted way. That's a savvy strategy, and I think that's when he's, he's, he's pointing. He's going towards that. You know, one of the things about this particular strain of this of this conversation that I think is bothersome is its connection to history. This idea of using black voters as sort of a proxy, talking about black voters, for instance, instead of talking to them, using them as a proxy to try to boost your support among other voters. We've seen that for a really long time. And and that is one of the reasons, I believe, that uh, that we see less uh, actual policy uh, follow through uh, from from elected officials when they do get into office is because uh, there isn't a sort of serious reckoning with uh, with the needs and and the troubles that, that that black voters actually have. Right. I mean, and like you say, it's, it's part of a strategy. I think, um, as you said, uh, Donald Trump is coming this Saturday to Impact Network of uh, um, Bishop Wayne T. Jackson's network. He's, he's actually coming to Great Faith Ministries, the church. Um, I spoke with uh, Bishop Jackson yesterday, and one thing, if he follows through what, what he was saying, his intention, last I heard, apparently this, this interview won't happen until afterwards. When I was talking with Bishop Jackson, he said he wanted to have him speak uh, directly in front of the congregation and then ask to ask, have the interview in front of the congregation. The re- reason being that he pointed out just what you said, that when Trump is making, make, talking about what's wrong, what's happening to his minorities and how 
poorly they're doing, he's speaking to white people, yeah. and he's not talking. And he's saying this time he needs to come in front of black people and say that and interact directly. And uh, and I, I, I you know that that so that's a, that's what he's saying he wants to do. Now how how that comes off if it comes through that way I don't know, but that is a is a valid point. He needs if he's he needs to answer talk directly to the people he's saying he's going to be trying to help. Yeah, uh, this is Detroit today on one zero one nine WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guests are Keith Owens, a se- the senior editor at the Michigan Chronicle, and Shane Goldmacher, a senior political reporter with Politico. We are talking about Donald Trump's appeal to black voters. All of a sudden, he is very interested in talking about African Americans and the things that, that, that are on their minds, the troubles uh, that they may have. Uh, and he's coming to Detroit uh, this weekend to talk directly with African Americans, take a tour of the city with Ben Carson, uh, one of his former rivals, who's also a black Detroiter, uh, very involved in the community. Uh, if you want to join the conversation, talk about what, how you are hearing the things that Donald Trump is saying about African-American uh, voters. Uh, if you're African-American, does this resonate with you? Does he make sense? Does he, the, his criticism of the Democratic Party for not delivering on its promises to African-Americans resonate with you. If you are not an African-American voter, what do you think about the idea that he's talking maybe to you, trying to get you to not think of him as a racist uh, in order to get your vote? Uh, 313-577-1019 is the number. That's 313-577-1019. Let's go to Barry on the road. Barry, welcome to Detroit Today. Um, Good morning. Uh Uh-huh. Thank you for uh, talking to me. Uh-huh. Uh, the question that you asked about uh, President Obama or the Democrats not being able to help the United States or being able to help black people. Yeah. President Obama tried to help us all, everybody, with stimulus packages and public works projects, but the Republicans in Congress kept blocking him. Time after time, they would rather see the economy go over a cliff than to see the president succeed and jumpstart in the economy. Uh huh. So, so Barry, uh, historically, if you sort of look back uh, at Democratic politicians, uh, both locally here in Detroit and 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 nationally, do you do you think? Uh, they don't deserve uh, the blame that, that that Donald Trump is trying to put on them for. Oh yes, for the I condition agree. of black. They don't deserve all of that blame. Uh, they deserve any of the blame in your mind? No. no. The way they gerrymandered districts so as to uh, make minority votes count less by splitting them up and putting them into other districts rather than having them vote as a block. That is not the fault of the president. Yeah. Yeah, Barry. That's not the fault of the Democrat. Barry, thanks very much uh, for that call. Let's go to Ed in Detroit. Ed, welcome to Detroit today. Hello. Hey. You know, th- th- this is not this is not a a, a a a time for us as Americans to separate by terms of color, ethnicity, or anything like that. We have two very flawed individuals running for president. And quite honestly, as a country, I don't care if you're black, white, Mexicans, whatever your race, creed, or color is, we need to wake up. We're being held hostage by the Democratic and Republican parties. We got guns to our heads saying, choose the lesser of two evils. (laughs) And they've 
made the rules to the point where it's difficult for a third-party candidate. Yeah. I don't care if you look at Jill Stein. I don't care if you look at, at Gary Johnson. People need to wake up. We need to break the gun that we have pointed at our heads by both of these parties. So, so Ed, talk about the, how you think that works. Uh, first of all, are, are there third-party candidates that you're looking at uh, this cycle who you think will, will be better? As president, and and how do you sort of break that hold though that uh, that the two major parties have on the system? We have to break the hold by voting for some of these third party candidates and take serious looks at them. Uh, yes, I, I'm leaning very very heavily right now towards Gary Johnson. Yeah. I, 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 I he, he he makes plenty of sense to me with everything that he's saying. And the thing you know, is that he's the, the, the sort of, uh, I guess, ill-considered comments that he's made. That doesn't bother you? He's made some outrageous things. Well, guess what? <laughs> we, 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 we can't. The, the, the Democratic and Republican Party has made the rules to the point where it's only those two. They don't want to play with anybody else. They don't want anybody else getting into the sandbox and... This way they can keep the whole public divided, and, and it, yeah. it just it makes no sense, yeah. honestly. Ed, Folks. thanks. Yeah, Ed, thanks very much uh, for, your, for your call and your thoughts there. Let's go to Mark in Livonia. And again, uh, 313-577-1019 is the number. You want to join the conversation about Donald Trump and his appeal to black voters. Mark in Livonia, go ahead. Hi. Um, well, originally I was going to make the comment about his appeal to white voters, but you guys obviously saw that thunder immediately. So I'd <laughs> like to make another comment. Sure. I do think there's something that hasn't been talked about as much in the media in relation to the racism and his appeal to certain minority of black voters, which is, so Trump has been playing in conspiracy theory circles since he started, but the influence of Alex Jones has been pronounced in a way that's not always clear. However, there's also a, a small but vocal minority of African Americans who are very much steeped in conspiracy theorizing. And I think he's actually trying to peel off a few of them as well, huh. which is why he's willing to go in some of these communities. Yeah. So I'd be curious what your commentators think about that. Yeah. Uh, Mark, thanks very much uh, for that uh, for that thought. Shane Goldmacher, a senior political reporter with Politico. Uh, what do you say to Mark? Uh you know, I do think that Donald Trump has, has trafficked conspiracy theories on all manner of things. Um, <clears throat> it's one of the reasons why fact-checkers have found such a huge share of the things he has said to be inaccurate. Yeah. Um, but often what he does is he says something that's just outlandish enough you can't quite disprove it. <laughs> and that, I'm going to win 95% of the African-American vote. There was actually a second beat to that that made it sort of more vintage Donald Trump, uh, having watched him closely for, for more than a year now. He said, I'm going to win 95% of the African-American vote in 2020. Uh, so he'd have first have to win the, the presidency <laughs> this year. Right. Uh, and he said four years down the line, after they see everything he's going to do for them, uh, African-Americans are going to come around. Uh, you know, so, yes, the, 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 this is sort of a, the, the way he presents the world is, is the way he sees it. And, and sometimes, you know, Alex Jones was mentioned, you know, Breitbart is a conservative website uh, Hillary Clinton uh, attacked it as alt-right and, and racist, and they certainly have had very racially charged content in the last year. Yeah. And the CEO of, uh, of Trump's campaign was the former person running Breitbart for the last uh, two years. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, Keith Owens, go ahead. Well, I was thinking, I think also, I mean, I think, uh, actually I said a little earlier, I do. I think part of their strategy is to, to peel off uh, whatever percent of, of black vote that he can. I, and I definitely think that uh, conspiracy theories is, is, a, is a large part of that. I think also what he, Trump is appealing to, well, counting on, and Trump is not alone in this, there's a, a number of candidates who count on this, is they, they know that they know there's a large percentage of the electorate black and white is uninformed. You know, so when you're talking, when you know, many of us will talk about Breitbart and alt and alt right and everything else. A whole lot of folks have no idea what that is. You yeah. know, they'll go off of what they hear when they see the man. That's about all they know. And so, many of us may know he's changed position, switched this even hard one minute. You know, pro you know anti illegal immigrants one minute saying they're fine against build the wall one minute. I'm reconsidering this minute. Most folks don't read the paper that time. I mean, this is our job. This is what we do for a living. So we do. Most people don't. And I think that they he just counts on that. And, and people, just kind of what, they, what do their friends say? What do they hear? What the five seconds they got a chance to watch the news? And this is not, you know, casting aspersions on people at all. People have lives. People have things to do um, going to work, and they don't have time to, to read all the papers, catch all the news on that. And they can, but many politicians, some of the um, worst ones, I mean, I think they count on that. And so I think he's saying if, if he changes his position, you know, uh, more noticeably recently, uh, many, many of us may notice it. Other people may not necessarily. So he's hoping that may work to his advantage. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guests are Keith Owens, the senior editor at the Michigan Chronicle, and Shane Goldmacher, senior political reporter with Politico. We are talking about Donald Trump and black voters. Uh, Donald Trump coming to Detroit uh, again this weekend to talk directly to the black voters, talking with a black pastor and uh, his congregation, talking uh, with uh, Ben Carson, who's going to show him around the city and probably get him to interact with the uh, some folks. Uh, are these effective methods of getting black people to vote for Donald Trump? Are these sort of proxies uh, for trying to, to, to paint him in a less racist uh, light uh, and, and get white voters uh, to vote for him? Uh, 313-577-1019 is the number, 313-577-1019. Let's go to Sam. Uh, stuck yeah. in traffic on 96. That's a familiar that, place. That's right. I am in traffic <laughs> coming from uh, Flint on my way to Southfield. But, you know, when I listen to you guys, uh, Stephen and Keith, uh, as the political director of the Michigan National Action Network, which is not about the business of endorsing any of these candidates, right. I've got to say that what we have here in terms of what Trump is saying is – a, the right message with the wrong messenger delivering <laughs> it. You know, in 1972, I was one of five Michigan delegates to the first National Black Political Convention in Gary, Indiana. I was one of five delegates that refused to walk out when Coleman Young led the rest of the Michigan delegation out. He and I yelled at one another using language unsuitable for uh, <laughs> family radio. And uh, basically, uh, he said, they're talking about leaving the Democratic Party. Well, you know, when we look historically at things as a people, you know, we were once a, a part of the Republican Party, the Republican Party sure. of Lincoln. But what really troubles me, and also in 2000, my, myself and a friend and a man that founded a paper called The Flint Voice, Michael Moore, we did a lot of work across the nation with Ralph Nader, which made some Democrats mad. But the reason that all of those activities were taking place National uh, Black Political Convention, uh, Ralph Nader and all that. For some of us who organized throughout Black America, is that the Democratic Party has not delivered for us. Detroit, a city where when Obama took office, 60% of the children were living in poverty. 
Detroit, as Obama gets ready to leave office, 60% of the children in Detroit still living in poverty. Detroit, a city with the shortest life expectancy of any major city in the nation. The, 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 the data is clear. You know, we see black women suffering and dying in silence, 42, 44% more than white women of breast cancer. America's worst schools housed right in Detroit. I mean, the data is, is, is irrefutable. Yeah. And if the issue is not about Donald Trump. We wouldn't even be discussing <laughs> black America and black folks if Donald hadn't raised it, if Colin hadn't sat down and stood up for a hypocritical national anthem. And I say that as a Vietnam War era veteran that served for honorable years uh, in the military during yeah. the 60s. Uh, Sam. So what I yeah, go on. Uh, Sam, thanks very much uh, for, for, for calling and making that point. And, and uh, that's sort of what I was trying to get to a little earlier, I think, in the conversation is this question of uh, what the Democratic Party has been able to do and not been able to do for, for African Americans. Some of the things that Donald Trump is saying are, you know, if you sort of strip them of the context of the speaker and his record, uh, they are not untrue. Well, that's his. That's why I was. Um, you're right. I mean, I think that um, that's his most effective strategy. And I was thinking. I'm thinking. Had he, um, I don't. I still don't know how what his chances were against him. But had he employed that much earlier? Had he come in hitting that and saying basically uh, in a more effective way? You know, what? If, not so much. What have you got to lose? But look, what have the Democrats done for you lately? Um, he could. That he could make. He could have made some more traction with it. He's just now bringing that on board. So I think he's a little let Johnny come lately. But in terms of when you look at cities, like I said, I think it's more more complex than that. I mean, I don't think you can look at Republicans and it's not like blacks are doing phenomenally well there either in terms of what they bring to sure. cities, et cetera. But that, but that is not, you know, I mean, it's easy to reflexively, and I, I'm far, you know, left. I mean, it's easy to reflexively say no, no, no. But they can people there's there is traction to be had on that. And like I said, he and he may have make some. Yeah, I think I said it's a little late in the game now. But that argument is not without. Some merit to yeah. it. Uh, Shane Goldmacher, one of the things that I think is is problematic with the Trump campaign generally is even when he is making a point that has some resonance or salience with uh, a particular demographic or voting block, they fall down on the policy end of it. Mm -hmm. that, that that he comes up with uh, these sort of policy imperatives that that either seem unrealistic or don't make sense, are counterproductive. Uh, and and here with uh, with African Americans, uh, I, I can't think of very much in his policy portfolio that actually would address the things, the criticisms that he's leveling against the Democrats for the way that they've delivered for African Americans. Yeah, he, he first started rolling out some specifics in this first speech where he talked about race so explicitly. Again, in Wisconsin, he talked about merit pay for teachers and charter schools. Uh, you know, so he has mentioned some issues, but yes, policy specifics. Donald Trump's campaign has not been about policy specifics; right. it's been about emotion for both his supporters and his opponents. Uh, but really, the remarkable thing here is we're talking about Trump potentially receiving less of the vote among Black voters than Republicans in the last two cycles. When you had the first African American president yeah. uh, in 2013, after Obama was reelected, you know, political strategists in Washington D.C. said. Look, especially Republicans, the thing we have likely to grow, we're going to likely grow either our share of the African-American vote or the turnout's going to go down, right? We're going to not have the first black president. Mitt Romney got 6% of the vote. Right. Uh, and now we're talking about someone winning less than that against a non-African-American candidate, which is pretty remarkable. This is a group 
for whom Republicans should have an incredible upside. Uh, and I just wanted to add one other thing from the earlier conversation sure. about whether black issues get spoken about during general elections versus in the primaries. Uh, this has been kind of the, the devil's bargain that, that the black community has made by the way they voted, which is they are absolutely dominant in Democratic politics. Yes. You know, in the Democratic primary, Hillary Clinton was able to coast to the nomination in the last three months because she had the overwhelming and solid support of African-Americans. That's right. campaign knows it. Her advisors knew it. And she needed them. They were incredibly important. She was outspoken about the Black Lives Matter movement. I mean, there, there are, there, it would be very hard to find major issues where Hillary Clinton broke with the black community during the primary. Yeah. Uh, that said, once you get to the general election, because 95% of African Americans have voted for Democrats, the Democrats don't want to talk to them anymore. Yeah. They've gotten their votes during the primary, and the Republicans see not that much outside because it's not a big enough block that peeling off from 95% to 93% is going to be worth their time. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's partly what makes this unusual that we're having this conversation in a general election. In a general election, been, right. Yeah. In a general election. So it, it's the time of the calendar that makes some of this interesting, frankly. Uh, and again, this is why, partly for Donald Trump, it's not just about African-American voters. It's about white voters and giving them permission at dinner parties to be supportive of him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Shane Goldmacher, th those are really... Really great points. Uh, thank you uh, for being here on Detroit Today, and thank you to also to Keith Owens, thank you. Uh, Good to be senior here. editor at the Michigan Chronicle. Uh, Shane, we'll check in maybe with you next week after uh, you cover uh, Donald Trump's trip here to Michigan. Uh, all right, coming up next, uh, we are going to talk about the demise of Gawker.com. Why did it happen, and what does it mean for the consolidating media landscape? Stay with us on Detroit Today. Thank you.